welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you very much, Francis. It's a privilege to be here. I'm so happy to see some of the faces that I, I'm used to seeing at conventions. Um, good to see, to see everybody and those who I don't know also. Welcome. Um, Sorry, I had a call coming in. Um, this topic is uh, very important for me right now, becoming an adult in SA. And I want to make sure uh, that this is a present tense, not past tense. I have not become an adult. I am becoming an adult. It's a process I'll be probably following uh, until I live, until I die. So... Um, I've been sober since uh, December 20th, 2005. Um, so I have a few days left to celebrate 16 years. Uh, congrats to Nancy on the 17 years. Um, I'd like to hear what I'm, what, what I have to say. Uh, I get nervous, but then God starts speaking through me, and sometimes I say hopeful things, at least to me. So. Um, Let's see. Um, Aspansi's wife called me a while back, a few years ago. She was frustrated with with him, and uh, I answered. I didn't know who it was calling, and uh, she said, she almost screamed, why can't he grow up? And I didn't know what to say to that. My mm, mouth opened, and I said what I thought was pretty good, actually. I said, that's our main problem. So, um, so that's what I will talk about. I'll hopefully I'll touch on a little bit on self-esteem, self-hatred, and selfishness. Uh, I'm not over the basic struggles. Uh, just a few days ago, I was sharing with a sponsee about a, what we call a branding iron image. He was struggling with a coworker, so I said to him uh, that I had similar problem um, when I was newly sober. For years, I worked with someone whom I called a branding iron image that I just couldn't get out of my head. So I made this uh, talk at my sponsee saying how I overcame it. Um, and then after I hung up, the image came up in my head and I had to make my own phone call. So uh, I'm not cured uh, from basic lust. And I will always be reminded that I'm absolutely powerless over lust. Um, and I got to be careful and I got to make my own calls for sure. But emotional sobriety, is, that's, that's where it's at for me right now. Um, a quote from uh, Bill W. Uh, from his letter from 1958. Those adolescent urges that so many of us have for top approval, perfect security and perfect romance, urges quite appropriate to age 17 prove to be an impossible way of life when we are at page 47 or 57. So I'm 59 right now. 
and I'm still growing up. I'm pretty young right now. I grew up in Russia, just briefly, my story. Um, I um, was born and uh, grew up in Moscow, Russia. Uh, we lived in a very, very small uh, apartment, a communal apartment. So I slept in the same room with my mother and my uh, grandmother. Uh, my mother was never married uh, to my biological father, so I didn't know who he was until I was about 13. Um, I saw my mom undressed pretty much all the time, and I had waves of shame. And that shame I took with me into adulthood. Um, I had this combination of disgust and shame, and uh, I balanced it out by a search of a perfect woman. And it had to be a physically perfect woman. And I struggled with it my whole life. I discovered masturbation when I was 13 by an accident. And then I've been masturbating pretty much uh, all the time, uh, multiple times per day, with occasional breaks here and there. But it was just killing me. I could not quit. I've tried everything. I've tried uh, philosophies. I've tried various religions. I... Um, I was raised atheist in the Soviet Russia. Um, then I pursued um, old Chinese philosophy. I pursued um, yoga. Um, then uh, in my 30s, already in America, to which I immigrated at the age of 26, I decided to check out the Russian Orthodox Church. They baptized me. They rebaptized my Lutheran wife. I was married to an American woman for seven years. They didn't like uh, the Lutheran baptism, so they rebaptized uh, my woman, my wife, um, according to the Russian tradition. A few days later, I was masturbating again. So nothing helped. Uh, religion didn't work for me, um, at least the way I perceived religion. Then I was told that I'm in the wrong religion. Uh, my mother is Jewish, therefore I should be practicing Judaism. I got circumcised at the age of 40, hoping that if I wouldn't get wounded there, I will quit. So I quit just because of physical impossibility of masturbating after the circumcision. But uh, I was back into my acting out uh, worse than ever about maybe two months after the circumcision. Even before it healed, I was already suffering. I was already masturbating. Even it was way too early. I could not care about my own health. Uh, the masturbation just uh, ruled my life pretty much. I came to another S fellowship in 2002. Um, and then by an accident, I heard about SA. And people were laughing about SA in that S fellowship. They were calling those guys, you know, the sobriety definition. And I'm standing and listening to those guys, and this higher power moment was happening in my head. I was thinking, this is my fellowship. I got to get to SA. So I came to SA in 2002 and um, struggled with sobriety. I went through four sponsors. Um, I had a relapse after 19 months of sobriety and um, had my spiritual experience. My God, out of my desperation, walked into my room and just defended me there. And uh, I, I had an experience similar to Bill W. I know not everybody has it to that extent, but I, I had that experience without which I probably 
I don't think God wastes experiences like that. Um, uh, so I, apparently I was just chosen by higher power to, to have such an experience. When I, out of desperation, I just knew I would be acting out no matter what for the rest of my life. And I freaked out and I thought, is there anything better than my own thinking? And the moment I thought that, there was immediate silence and I sensed the presence. And I thought, I wonder if that presence has always been there. I just was not aware of it. So that was my spiritual experience. Um, I relapsed after that, after 19 months, because I did not practice essay, the tools. Staying sober on spirituality alone doesn't work for me. I have to be part of, I have to be a part of the fellowship. So currently sober since 2005, for that I cannot be sufficiently grateful. Um, I don't even know where to begin what my uh, sobriety gave to me. Um, um, I started dating uh, after two or three months of sobriety, and then uh, I dated my future wife. Uh, we took a long time. We dated for four years. Um, I had to get ready. Uh, I married when I had 11 years of sobriety, and uh, it's now, what, four years? I, um, I am happily married. I am so glad to report that my marriage is, uh, is an incredible, totally undeserved gift from my higher power and unexpected. A miracle after miracle uh, has been happening in my life. Sometimes my higher power spoke for me. When I started dating my future wife and disclosed to her, she asked me um, if I'm even capable of having a relationship with a woman. She doesn't know much about SA. Uh, uh, and I was thinking, what do I say to that? And my mouth opened and I said, mm, uh, the woman that marries me will be very fortunate. And I couldn't believe I said it, but that really impressed my wife. I just couldn't believe it. I said it. Later, I freaked out because now I set the high bar that I have to <laughs> create a fortunate woman out of my future wife, but it's okay. I think she is. Um, while dating, my wife said to me, sensing all my character defects, said, it looks like you're looking for a perfect woman. Why do you do that? So I had to swallow hard. It, it was a person who's not going to say was telling me the truth. And um, I, I don't remember what I said to her, but she said, well, if you find the perfect woman, if there is such a thing, she will never understand you. Man, that was, my wife is such a wise person. Um, so uh, it was good to just um, quit that. Um, there is no such thing as a perfect woman. And uh, there is no relating to a perfect woman. My sponsor knew that I was falling in love my, before me. Uh, I said to my sponsor, uh, I think I'm falling in love. And my sponsor said, yeah, John and I, we knew about it three months ago. So anyways, that was, um, that was great. We had a wonderful wedding. And then I started to get to know myself, without which I cannot grow up. And I discovered that I'm a crabby person. 
um, I'm a negative person, especially towards myself. My wife said to me at some point, I can tolerate it a lot. But when you put down yourself, that I just will not stand by. I will just, uh, she, we, she came up with a sign kind of as if she slaps me on the head. She doesn't, but so she was catching it, you know, all these put downs. Um, I judge my wife. I love my wife. I don't think I will ever find a better person. And yet I judge my wife all the time. Um, she tolerates mess much better than I do. Her office is a mess, her home office. I'm afraid to go in there. Whenever there is a mess, I get crabby. And I discover that mess makes me nervous. So getting to know myself is uh, part of me growing up. I realized that this anxiety starts when I see a mess. And I know that I cannot clean all the world and maintain the tidiness all the time. I get nervous. So I had to give it up. And when my wife doesn't pick anything up, something up and leaves it out of place, it's my problem. It's not her problem. I'm the one who gets anxiety from the mess. So I have a choice to put it away or to tell her to put, put it away. Usually I do. I had to get humble again. My wife is big on recycling. She has all these systems. And just the other day, not too long ago, I tore up a piece of paper into like small shreds and I tossed it into a recycling bin. And my wife said, um, oh, it doesn't belong there. And I said, okay, I already threw it away. And she says, can you please pick it up? So my first reaction is to say, well, go screw yourself. Uh, then I make a call. <laughs> then I fish out all those shreds out of the recycling bin and I put them where they belong. So shutting up is a good, good tool for me. Praying is huge. Prayer is a good way to grow up, actually. Um, I have anxiety when my when, when my wife, my wife's energy goes up. My wife is a very balanced person, but sometimes, occasionally, she, um, with passion, tells me about something, and then I go into fear. I go, I become small. And my mom was a yeller. Uh, my mom was beating me and yelling at me. It's, it's a whole separate story. Then I become afraid of a woman with higher energy. Then I'm afraid the violence will follow. I, I, I learned all that after I got married, actually. Uh, by the way, I'm not uh, promoting marriage here. Uh, <laughs> I stayed single for 11 years in sobriety and loved it. Absolutely loved it. And we have some solid members. Uh, with uh, double-digit 20-plus years of sobriety who are very, very happy and don't even plan to be married. Uh, marriage just became my, my way of uh, growing up, or at least part of it. Um, so I, I listen to my wife talking enthusiastically about something, and then I get nervous, and then I get crabby. But I can pray. I can always out-pray anything. I can, I've learned that I can out-pray uh, lust temptation. I can out-pray fear. I can out-pray anger. I usually cover my fear and anxiety with anger. I want to react and strike. And um, I, I think I prayed for about half hour when my wife was telling me the story. And what's the point of it? The point is that I can go deeper into prayer. I was even saying to God, well, 
will, will she stop talking? And just she wouldn't. And she talked and talked and talked. And I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I went to bed a happy man there because I put a check mark. Yeah, I didn't act out on my childish impulses. Um, becoming an adult is, uh, I, I've heard somebody said it's um, um, binding my anxieties and conflicting thoughts long enough to put one foot in front of the other so I would pursue my deep, deepest desires. That's pretty good. I've learned that I had to change my morning routine. Um, I start my morning uh, with a quiet time, with a prayer. Before I even open my eyes, I already ask God, God, come in. What do you want from me right now? It could be a small thing. Get up or pray further or whatnot. Um, stretch. I, I start early. The earlier I start praying, the better my day goes. Then I do my um, readings. I have a morning check-in partner. Then I meditate. Um, and then I do exercises. And I've learned that listening to a text, um, talks, even spiritual talks, um, listening to audio books doesn't work for me. It cannot be a text um, in the morning. I go into breathing for 30, 40 minutes while I'm working out. Um, I let the uh, Vega nerve do its miracle by deep breathing, exhaling long. Then I'm so grounded. I, I feel very grounded. I used to listen to lectures while working out. And then I stayed kind of restless for the rest of the day. So that's my morning routine. That's the first step was spirituality, then um, working out with breathing. And then um, what follows after breakfast is I eat the ugliest frog first, so to speak. I do what I don't want to do. I do simple, actionable items. If I start checking news, if I start trying to see a bigger picture, I'm already fearful. Forget it. So I cannot check emails. I tried and it just doesn't work for me. So I set my tasks from the evening and then I pursue them. Later, I can look at bigger picture after lunch or whatever. Um, Self-esteem is a really major problem for me. Um, believing in my art, um, by the way, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an artist and um, I've, I've been an architect my whole life. And um, um, in sobriety, my wife and I would decided that I'll, I'll be a full-time artist. And um, I had one problem. I, I, I have great talent, but I have no belief in myself. Um, at least at the time. And I realized that I cannot see rightly the fruits of my labor. I just cannot evaluate what I do. No matter how much I try, um, uh, there's just no indicator inside of me. It's either I love it or I hate it. I tried building self-esteem by doing all kinds of exercises and reading literature. What I've discovered is that mm, I cannot evaluate the products of what I do, but I can love the stories, the story of my life, which I've practiced quite a lot uh, in SA, sharing my story. Um, I can be very grateful and uh, for my stories. I'm grateful and I love my stories. They're, they're very unique. Um, so through loving and being grateful for the story of my life, 
my self-esteem grows somehow that I, I feel I belong. My mom, my mom lives uh, on the same street uh, with us. Um, oh boy, did I have to overcome uh, anger at my mom and sobriety. Um, I, um, I'm taking my mom now weekly to a physical therapy. She has an issue. She got hit by a car a while back and uh, she was in rehab, but now she's dealing with that leg. And um, so once a week, I take my mom to physical therapy. I'm there. I'm helping to translate mm, from English to Russian and back. Then I drive my mom home. Then I come back next day and check to see if she understood the exercises correctly. Five um, minutes, Dimitri. <clears throat> uh, thank you very much, Francis. Um, then I visit my mom on Friday night for a dinner. Um, we have a parent's time. My wife sees her parents. I see um, my mom. Mm, a couple of weeks ago, uh, my mom was not clear on something but to do about one exercise and a certain pain. And I started massaging her thigh. And I realized that my disgust of my mom's body, my mom was 84. And I just couldn't believe what was happening. I was massaging my mom's body and I was not repelled. I was not disgusted, and I was not lustful. I was there for my mom. That's another miracle. I over overcame um, my, my revulsion of a female body if it's not perfect. Um, loving myself, I... Um, I occasionally take mini step four with my sponsor, uh, maybe once a year. Um, and um, I came across a note. My sponsor put a note vulnerable next to me, um, writing down how my grandfather was beating me. Uh, I was admitting that. And my sponsor wrote next to it, vulnerable. I don't know what he meant, but when I came across this note, when he handed back to step four to me, I realized that um, I've been trying to make myself invincible my, my, my whole life. Um, in fact, I decided a long time ago that life is unfair. I think I was 30 when I was in my late teens. I decided that I got bad cards <laughs> in this life. And there's no win here. Um, so I was trying to be invincible. And uh, by seeing the note vulnerable mm, next to my grandfather beating me, all of a sudden I was overcame with love somehow for myself. Because I was not perfect. I was not invincible. I was vulnerable. I was sharing it. It was a great feeling. It was not a miracle that just happened uh, in SA um, through working the steps. Um, I didn't have um, a father in uh, in my life. Uh, my grandfather passed away uh, when I was, I think, before I turned 13. Um, he was a great man, but he had his stuff. And he was beating my mom. He was beating me. And um, my biological father was not there. So in SA, I, I find lots of male support uh, for growing my self-esteem and becoming a little bit more responsible for others. Um, but women play 
apparently played a huge role in my life. My wife calls me a, modestly a genius in arts. <laughs> and um, I mentioned that to a mother of my college friend. I called her. She still is in uh, Moscow. And I was mentioning to her how my mom buys my prints uh, and how my wife calls me a genius. And then um, this woman, she knows me since childhood, and she said a few nice things about me as, uh, as well. And then she said, trust the women who love you. Man, I just couldn't believe she, she said it and I heard it. There's no way I would have heard a, a sentence like this the right way. I don't know, 15 years ago, it's taking me years to realize that uh, trust the women who love you. What a gift. So anyways, I'm glad that I'm, I'm a little clearer on, uh, on what life dealt to me. I'm very grateful to be here. And uh, uh, let's see, did I leave anything out? Well, I probably left a lot, but that's enough for now. Thank you very much. Sorry, I'm trying to unmute. Hi, thank you very much for your share, Dimitri. Um, I kind of uh, relate on all forms. You know, I've, I felt that I haven't grown up. I'm still single. I'm nearly 50. Um, uh, I, too, studied. I studied graphic design when I was younger, and then I went on to study uh, f uh, fine art at degree level, and I kind of gave up halfway through. Uh, and as an artist... Um, I suffered from perfectionism and the last piece I ever did, I spent 170 hours on it and I made one little mistake and I kind of threw the piece away and I've never touched any, I've never done anything art wise for the last 10 years. So I kind of, I related to you, Dimitri, I really did, you know, and your story. Um, and now I'm wondering regarding my artwork, whether my sexaholism has actually affected it. My self-confidence, like yourself, uh, I, I think I don't have much of uh, much self-esteem. But um, you know, I'm still single, uh, Dimitri. I made a big mistake uh, back in 2016, uh, the night before I was supposed to be married. I had an argument with my fiance, and I walked out, and I cancelled the wedding, which isn't a very grown-up thing to do. And so, uh, Dimitri, uh, uh, you know, to a single man, what, what, what can you say to me to give me a bit of hope that maybe one day I'll be ready for marriage again? <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, Matthew. Thanks for relating. Uh, I know that my sponsor, uh, this may sound really strange, but my sponsor would not would have not allowed me to walk out on a marriage like that so and if i was about to walk out from a marriage like that i probably wouldn't have gotten to a point of wedding with a woman uh as a future wife i would be looking for a different sponsor basically so strong sponsorship and the uh, timing it, for me was key. When I was new in sobriety, I had about six months of sobriety. I wanted to do an art, artist retreat. And my sponsor said to me, this is just an excuse for self-obsession. 
And he said, no, go camping with your SA buddies. A year later, the same retreat came up. He's just living in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of artists. I said, well, same retreat is up. Uh, should I go? He said, absolutely. Well, I had more than a year of sobriety. I was ready. And then when my wife said I should go, go full-time in marriage, I was so afraid. And uh, I, I shared with my sponsor that my, my wife is ready to be the breadwinner. Mostly I have some other incomes too, but, but I don't want to do it. He said, God is giving you an opportunity and you are throwing it back in his face. Basically, he is giving you an opportunity to develop your talent. So I had to take the, uh, that offer from above through my wife. So anyways, I don't know if any of this is helpful, but that's what I got. Thank you. Just to, uh, sorry, just to say, yeah, my sponsor didn't really agree with myself. He said I wasn't ready uh, for marriage. Um, and when it happened, the first thing I did was call him and I said, look, you know, if you want me to adjust my sobriety date, I will do, you know. Uh, so thank you, Dimitri. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dimitri. Uh, Buddy. Yes, I'm Buddy. I'm a recovering sexaholic. Dimitri, thank you so much. Um, especially with what you shared about your relationship with your mom. I was um, 20 years sober when my mom's house really started going downhill. And in the last couple months of her life, I helped her with her, her personal care um, and like changing my mom's diaper. Um, it really, I recognize something within myself. Like I have become an adult and, and I know how to put one foot in front of the other in adult ways and yet inside of myself i i still feel like a child i still feel like i don't know what the hell i'm doing in life like i i feel like i'm still faking it until i make it um so i struggle with what i actually do time versus thank you claudia versus what i feel inside um and still struggle with the self-esteem but thank you so much that's all thank you buddy thank you buddy uh, greg yeah thank you so much uh for your share that was a great share um it made me think a lot about my relationships um you know uh what you said about prayer and uh making me think about how I relate and uh, sponsorship and relying on my sponsor is so important. You know, I, but also to look at where I once was as far as growing up emotionally to where I'm at now, I, I have to do that for my self-esteem because I'm certainly not growing up emotionally, but where I was at before to where I'm at now, I've made a lot of progress and I have to keep looking at that. But uh, I know my sponsor has to call his sponsor whenever he has a, a, uh, a disagreement with his wife. Uh, and his sponsor always says, do what your wife tells you, you know. And like you said, trust the, woman, the women who love you. 
you know, and that was so powerful. And it's true. It's true because they know you more than anybody else. And uh, so anyway, I, I just appreciated your share so much. So thanks. Thanks a lot, Dimitri. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Greg. Uh, Nancy. Hi, um, I'm Nancy Sexaholic. Thank you very much for sharing, Dimitri. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I really like um, the way you talk about growing up and that uh, not character defects so much, but emotional maturation, growing from a child and an adolescent and self-esteem and um, taking responsibility and all of these areas are a matter of maturing that I need to do also as a sexaholic. So I really, really appreciate that. And I also loved what was just mentioned. I often think I can outpray my luster, which is something um, that I've heard Jess L say. Um, but to think about outpraying my um, my self-esteem, outpraying my um, my ability to to discount my own talents. <clears throat> I I too am an artist, um, but I discount my talents. I I took a watercolor class, and I didn't realize there'd be a critique at the end. Oh my gosh. And people said, oh, my gosh, you told us you never did watercolors before. This is amazing. I never went back. Thank you, Claudia. I never went back. Um, thank you so much for your share. really appreciated it. Thank you, Nancy. Thanks, I see that, Lu that Luke has stopped his walking. Luke. Hi. Uh, thank you, Francis. Hi, Dimitri. Thank you for your share. Um, I was really stunned by the positivity and <laughs> clarity and the growth. Um, there's many, 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 many things that I can literally identify with. I'll pick out one thing and I want to ask you a question about it. I too grew up during my early puberty, uh, how you call it, adolescence, in my mother's, in my parents' bedroom, and I saw my mother undress many times, and she put her uh, underwear on my bed, which I took with two fingers, and I threw it away disgustingly, uh, and she did it time and time again. And um, I too, well, I, I can relate a lot to it. Now, it, it did damage me, and I'm still not really over it. So my question to you is, um, did you do anything outside the program on this or did you work the program on it or did it just come gradually that you healed in that field? Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Uh, <clears throat> I'm horrified by questions, uh, <laughs> but uh, let's see what comes up now uh, for me. Yeah, I took all the help from this fellowship uh, to um, <clears throat> not to run in the opposite direction from my mother. Um, I, early in the program, I was taking my mom from a surgery, and um, I forgot what happened. I remember I walked out and made a phone call, and I, I remember what I said on the phone call. I'm ready to pick up a steel pipe 
and to crush my mom's head. That's how angry I was. So, and now I'm massaging her thighs and just mm -hmm. taking care of her. Um, and not too long ago, I made a call. I said, I think I'm spending too much time with my mom. I, I, I cannot take it anymore. And the old timer on the other end of the line said, I would give anything to spend a minute with my mother uh, who pa had passed away, obviously. So that kind of renewed me. I went back to see my mom. Um, so it's just constant support is indispensable. I've made a long way. I'm sure I'll get crabby when I visit my mom this Friday. Uh, I'm trying to do dishes uh, after she feeds dinner to me. So it's a bunch of actions. Um, and um, allowing for her own way too. She threw away all my drawings when I was, I forgot how old I was. I noticed kids running with my drawings all over the yard in, in Moscow. And uh, I look at one of the drawings and I recognize my drawing. And uh, I said, where'd you get it? He said, in a dumpster. So it turns out my mom threw away all of my albums. Um, it took me, I don't know, 40 years to overcome all that. First, the therapist said that was inappropriate of her. So I thought, okay, I'm going to be angry now. So I stayed angry. But then I think my wife said something to me not too long ago. Yeah, that how long ago did that happen? So my mom was, yeah, I had a conversation with my mom about that a few times. And she is sorry. She kind of made a man in her own way. She now tries to make up for it. She bought, uh, she has a huge collection of my limited edition prints. And she's trying, you know, another spiritually sick person doing her best. So anyways, that's my answer. Thanks a lot, Dimitri. Thanks, Dimitri. Uh, Lee, over to you, sir. Hi. Um, thank you so much, Dimitri. A great topic of growing up. And uh, my question will be about trusting the women who love you. I have learned more about growing up from one of my sponsees who uh, I've had for 35 years now. And he was single when he came in. He dated, uh, got married, has two sons that are just remarkable and in their 20s. Uh, but throughout this marriage, uh, he has practiced the 11th step, which is pause when agitated. And uh, he will call me and say, I want to kill my wife. And uh, he paused. And I said, well, what did you do wrong? And most often he'll find out that he needed to trust the women he loved because almost always they were right. And uh, I think that's a great meter uh, of uh, maturity and uh, how he now doesn't call anymore. He will report what he did. So how long other than in your marriage have you been able to do that? Or did it start with your marriage? Hmm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Uh, may I ask how long your sponsee is sober? <laughs> uh, 35 years now. Okay. Yeah. He probably knows better than I do. So anyways, but uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think uh, the beauty of working steps six and seven is that it happens uh, beyond our control. 
um, on step six, I just realized that there's absolutely nothing I can do about being affected by other people's opinions or um, trying to see if I'm a um, worthy artist. Um, uh, my mistrust, I, I'm kind of um, suspicious person, I guess, and I control things. And all of a sudden, when I hear a sentence like this, 16 years down the road, trust the women who love you, I hear it. When did it happen? How it happened? Um, if I willed it into being, I wouldn't need God in step seven, uh, my creator, you know, <laughs> that prayer. Um, I'm now willing that she should have all of me, good and bad. Pray that she now remove from me every single defect of character that stands in, which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. That prayer gives it, offers me and my defects up to God. So I wish I could tell you when and how it happened. I don't know. I just stayed sober and worked the steps. <laughs> That's all I have. Thanks, Dimitri. Thanks, Dimitri. Claudia. Uh, I need to take my time. <laughs> <laughs> One moment. <laughs> Hi. I'm Claudia, I'm a sexaholic. Thank you, Dimitri, for your uplightening share. <laughs> share. It was really great to listen to you and to feel this positivity and love in your share. It's, it's, it's really like, wow, there is hope. <laughs> so maybe... Sometime I also can get married. I don't know. Um, but this is really, it's so much hope in, in your share. And I really appreciate what you shared about your growing. And it feels like you're really grown up. I know there is always something to learn. And yeah, it sounds really like you... You learned a lot, and I'm really grateful to listen to you. I have no question. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Claudia. Uh, David G., please. Hey, everybody. I'm David. Uh, Dimitri, that was just so wonderful. Um, and I love the way you said growing up and still growing up because I'm still growing up. Um, and I really related to the perfectionism, that part that you read in Bill's letter, uh, which is one of my favorite letters. Um, and I used to think that perfectionism was uh, an attribute, you know, um, and in a lot of areas in life, um, I succeeded because of my perfectionism and, but I couldn't stay sober. And, um, I'm really learning that part of growing up is, is, is not just being comfortable with my imperfections, but really celebrating my imperfections. Cause that's really what connects me with God and with other people. And it is hard. It is really hard to let that go on a daily basis um, and trust in God. And I just, uh, I guess my question to you is how do you do that on a daily basis? Uh, and uh, that's what I got, but thank you so much. It was wonderful. Uh, thanks, David. Um, well, I touched Christina. on Christina. Yeah. 
guess um, I'm um, Christine. We had no time to question, to answer the question. <laughs> Sorry for interrupting, but Dimitri has uh, no time for answering what I think Daniel David was was asking. Sorry. Dimitri, I lost. Yeah, I think we're losing. Francis, we're kind of losing your audio. Yeah, I've lost sound. Is that better? That's a little better, but is that better? Uh, Dimitri, yeah. Right, okay, I lost audio. So maybe Dimitri could go ahead and answer it. Look, it sounded like he was about ready to. Yeah, okay, Dimitri. Uh, okay, yeah, thank you. Well, now I forgot the question. David, can you, <laughs> do you mind repeating your question? Can you just rephrase it shortly? In the short, yeah, I guess I guess letting go of the perfectionism and embracing your your humanness as a way of growing up. How do you do that on a daily basis? Uh, okay, yeah, thank you. It's um, man, um, I gotta allow myself. Well, I gotta allow myself um, to unfold almost like a flower. You know, like. Um, I gotta let myself live. Um, allowing is a good principle for me. And uh, sometimes I say things and I don't know how I say them. Um, and when I listen or read to what I said or wrote, I'm like, wow, that's pretty good, Dimitri. It seems like I already know the answer, but it comes out in a very, strange way just uh, i think yesterday on social media by the way i'm using social media safely now but i used to be that i was i had a dumb phone for like first six or seven years of sobriety somebody shared with me how she could not uh, put up her own art on the wall because she would be fixing it all the time <laughs> and so to that i re i replied to her that uh, uh, I've forgotten which words, but the meaning was that, yeah, like we all struggle with uh, covering up the story of our personal development, which is much more precious than the product. And I, th <laughs> I think it's pretty good. My wife said it was good. Um, so the story. Oh, sorry, I'm into marketing now. I'm trying to, to do my art more. But basically, when I write, you know how there is like about the person about the artist or whatever. Um, we want to share our awards, education, achievements, milestones. It says absolutely nothing about Dimitri. <laughs> it's uh, basically an external validation. So to write my own story is to show how I got from point A to point B, and I cannot share it until I see it myself. So just appreciating the process of changing that's that's really all that there is I, I i said to my wife not long ago and she got emotional i said i have no idea where i'm going to but i know i'm walking on my road she dropped the tear out from happening she's like yeah that's a good way to put it so there's nothing i can do about my perfectionism but i can do just little things here and there i don't know i'm rambling here but that's what came up for me Okay, thanks, Dimitri. Sorry about that. I lost uh, I lost audio. Okay, we have time for a couple of more shares, and we've got two hands raised. So, Christina, 
Yes, hi, I'm Christina Sex, Lasadic. Thank you, Dimitri, for your share. I identified um, more, um, with the parents' story. I care for my parents now, and I never thought that I would be able to have this physical nearness and help them to go to the toilet or so. Um, my question, and thank you for this, you have fear when your wife is talking and you pray for half an hour. <laughs> I, I have so much fear when I speak with men. I, I will try that. <laughs> uh, my question is, you told you fell in love and my question is, how did you know the difference of really falling in love and not f fall in love like with last? Because I fell in love all the time. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Christina. That's uh, almost a mystical question. <laughs> I wish I could explain what's going on with me right now. Uh, for four years in marriage, four years in dating, um, my, my, I, I really like the way my wife looks, but she's not triggering to me uh, as far as lust, unless I engage in some fantasy and imagining that she's somebody else, uh, which will be death for me. Um, I, um, how is it possible that I like the way she looks, but I'm not um, going crazy with lust? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Um, um, it's almost like, mm, let's see, what, what were the signs of me falling in love? I think I, this may sound really weird, but sponsor and fellowship somehow, how many times my, my future wife at the time would write an email to me or something we would be arguing. And um, I would say to my sponsor, can you believe this woman? She said this or she wrote this. And he was like, okay, exactly what did she say? And so... <laughs> I would relate to what my wife said, future wife said, and my sponsor would pause and he would say, what an incredible woman. <laughs> I'm like, what? There were many instances like that. So what I thought I was looking for in a woman was not what was good for me. Self-hatred, you know, lifelong uh, self-hatred warps how I perceive people. So even in falling in love, Somehow the fellowship helped just to see myself better, but and somehow see my, my future wife better. So, and I could use all the help. So I probably do not answer your question, but that's what I got now. Thank you, Dimitri. Okay, we've we time now for just one more question. So Margot, yours is the last one. Yeah, is there time, Francis? Or you've got yeah, have time for one minute and a quick answer. Okay, okay. So thank you, Dimitri. I've I loved your share on so many levels, and I just want to ask a question about your morning routine. I'm familiar with the function of the vagus nerve and how that can connect us with all kinds of 
spirit and calmness and stuff, although I don't put it into practice. I want to know if you're doing the vagus, if you're deep breathing as part of your exercise or separately, and you've changed me because I do my exercises listening to a meeting. So I'd like to try something different that will connect me more to God. Thanks. Mm, thanks, Margot. Yeah, I was hoping to learn from you, but uh, <laughs> with your experience. But um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that my sponsor allows my own seeking. How many times I wandered into areas uh, which I was convinced my sponsor will, will say, stop that. And he'd always say, well, give it a try. But he always adds, this will not be the panacea for everything. So I've tried self-hypnosis. I've tried all kinds of stuff. Um, in fact, I'm still doing a little bit of self-hypnosis in the morning, um, which actually, strangely enough, is helpful. Um, with the routine, let's see. I, um, yeah, I just do exercises. I do not sit and breathe, even though in studying the self-hypnosis, um, for my personality, it seems like the main message was all I need is relax. Oh boy, I just remind myself 24-7 about this. All I need is relax. Seems like all my problems go away. Basically, I say I don't need anything. All I need is relax. So I can say it in the morning. So as, as, as far as the specifics, yeah, after my so half an hour of uh, readings and I had spiritual stuff, I don't connect to religion that well yet, but I eat the ugliest frog first, so I do my religion first. <laughs> which I, I do as a chore, but I, I, I kind of developed to like, liking it. So then I'm so for 30 minutes for that uh, spiritual uh, literature reading and phone call. Then I meditate for 21 minutes, lying down. I combine it with self-hypnosis sometimes. Sometimes I'm just listening. So breathing is part of it, but it's not uh, that Vegas narrow I was talking about. I just allow the breathing to ha happen naturally. Then I have a routine of exercises, uh, alternate a little bit. It's a mixture of yoga and just uh, working out. So that's maybe 45 minutes. And so at that point, I don't put the <coughs> ear pieces in at all. I used to listening to lectures, even spiritual talks, but not anymore. I just breathe. Music doesn't work for me, even though it is recommended. So for 40, 45 minutes, just extend my breath. I try to exhale as long as possible. That's all I do. Sometimes I hold my breath up, so I inhale, just a brief pause. Then I try to exhale as long as possible. So that, that's what I do. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Mm -hmm.